Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself... How many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hey kids, you like professional wrestling? This week might be <laughs> might be a judgment call. Are, are you ready for a test of your love? Yes. Like <laughs> all good abusive and toxic relationships today, your love is going to be tested. It's going to be a trial of ordeals. And at the end of it, you're going to be longing for the good days when things were good and more innocent. But now there will only be trauma. The seven-year itch has come upon us. Uh, this is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. Uh, banter, you got any? Uh, things are good at the old tram. I'm doing okay. cabin speeches now. It's a lot of fun to go up and down the mountain every day. Uh, I get to spend time on a mountaintop multiple times a week and collect my thoughts and... I- it's happy. Uh, I'm, I'm I, sure. I figured, no, I want to do something happy because, like, normally these stories yeah. are like, you know, this thing happens and yeah. it's funny and blah blah blah. But like, this is not funny, nor is it nearly good radio. But like, there are things that legitimately do happen to me during a week that I'm like grateful <laughs> and thankful for. It's not all. Uh, it's not all a parade of horribles. I just save the horribles for when I'm doing radio because that shit's way more entertaining than the, uh, you know. We, we got, got a parade of horribles in wrestling right now, so we'll just wait for a moment. Uh, no cabin speeches. No, I, 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 when I was at Universal and I'd come over to the theme park and as a manager, they they made me do the spiels for backdraft, and all that whole crew are like are out of work actors who think that they're just on the verge of stardom and stuff. So, so these the these other people come over to do it, and it's just like. You're getting acting notes, and you're just like, you guys are the most pretentious jerks around here because you can never do it correctly enough. Doing your and here to tell you about that is Scott Glenn. <laughs> it's like, no, you need to do more feeling when you introduce Scott Glenn from Backdraft. <laughs> I'll tell you about fire. I'm doing. <laughs> 
So I think you have probably have a lower bar to clear at Albuquerque on a tram going up a mountain. Yeah, no, I, I talk <laughs> about the three canyons that we pass over. Uh, I try to avoid talking about the plane that crashed into the mountain in 1955. And <laughs> Oh, uh, that's some uplifting stuff. Hey, look, <laughs> he made a mistake, Jeff. You're going to hold it against him forever? Yeah, Let's speak. let bygones be bygones. You know oh. what I mean? Right. You know, oh, that's we're a... going to hold it against the pilot forever till the end of time. You know, speaking of which, we'll get into MJF in a second. But Daniel Wheeler, a.k.a. Cash Wheeler, arraigned, arrested, booked for aggravated assault with a weapon. According to the victim, who provided a sworn written verbal statement as follows, he was driving west on Interstate 4, north of exit 83. He noticed a Jeep Gladiator weaving in and out of traffic, honking its horn, so he moved to the far right lane to let the Jeep through. Looked over, noticed a white male with a beard pointing a black semi-automatic handgun out of the driver's window at him with a strong stare. Matta said he feared for his life <clears throat> at the time, slowed down to get out of the way of the firearm, and ended up behind the suspect vehicle at this time. This time, both were committed to exit 83. Matta took pictures of the Jeep as it turned right onto College Park Drive, etc., and began to drive reckless. Ay, ay, ay. Um, look, first of all, don't know the, if it's true, but... Whoa, 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 hold on. If the, if the driver took out his camera and stuff and started documenting it, I, I, and we're looking at a sworn statement... You're right. Okay, legally, it still needs to be proven in court, Jeff. Yes, yes. yes. No, no, but, no. Look, but, I'm, but I'm what, that... I'm, what I'm about to say here is this is the exact right way to handle a situation like this. Get yes. your camera out, videotape the offender. You don't need to escalate it, but you videotape. You get their license plate, and ideally, if they are frothing and waving a gun around, get some of that on camera and then report it to the authorities. You yes. don't need to prove anything. Yeah, after taking, he took photos of the license plate, called 911, gave the vehicle information, said he couldn't be late to work, asked the officer to meet him at work. Again, I did that for basically so we don't get sued for slander. Um... <laughs> but but it's it's, I'll put it this way. It's hard to imagine a construction of the facts where it somehow becomes exonerative. If it's his Jeep and he has a handgun, that's a problem. Uh, look, here, here's what I'll say. You don't pull out a gun unless you're going to use it, and anything else is reckless. Don't. Um, There's basically never a good reason to pull out a gun while driving. I'll go further. You actually don't ever need to pull out your gun while driving. Life is not Mad Max. Unless you are actively being shot at. That's the only oh, reason I could see oh, it. And even okay. then, even then I wouldn't. You're chased by no, the no, no, Taliban. No, no. No, yes. no, it, you're, you're driving on well, Interstate 40. The Taliban comes up behind you. And, and all of a sudden, you are in a standoff between yourself and the Taliban. Yes, you should get your Chris. gun. Well, Chris, my father was attempted carjacked by a drug cartel in South Texas for his FJ cruiser. I'm talking <laughs> about a car that's in motion, Jeff. If you are driving, there's actually They not side swiped him. That's why he pulled out his gun. But yes, okay. I get it. I get your point. There okay. are many gangs. The Taliban is but one of them. 
I'm just saying, don't 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 necessarily go go to full eleven here on mocking this <laughs> of what I just said. No, okay? I actually think it's pretty absurd to brandish a weapon when you already are operating a fatal. Yes, instrument. I, I, you have I, a car. It can kill people. I am on your side, Chris. You. I am on your side here. Okay, do not yell at me about this. I'm just you stating. love armed violence while people are driving. I don't love it. <laughs> but you're, you're taking a middle position. I'm not taking a middle position. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. I'm saying there's an exe- there's a there's an exception to every rule. That's what I'm saying. And, hey, I've, it, and I've had family that lived through it, so it's. Hey, one of well, those... it doesn't sound like Daniel Cash Wheeler is anywhere no, close no, to that exceptional no, case. No, he's not. And then and then of course MJF comes out and goes. Uh, <laughs> here's here's part of his tweet. Kind of disappointed how many dorks there are in this app that jump to conclusions so quick. A ton of people's privileges showing. We're all human. We're all flawed. We all make mistakes. Take it from a guy who's made more mistakes than most. I've had my ups and downs with FTR, but Cash Wheeler is a great dude and a badass. You're getting FTR versus Young Bucks in front of 80,000 plus on August 27th. Talk about that, you dweebs. Not the time, MJF. It's not the t- it's not the time for a plug. It's not the time to go kayfabe. And it's not the time for your opinion and dress down people based on privilege. Let them snark or do whatever. I understand you're defending your friend. I, uh, I'm gonna tell you though, this defense people's is definitely privilege. Good. No, th- this this defense is going to serve as a red flag if there is any other incidences involving MJF in the future. Because yes. the uh, I, I gotta tell you, uh, for my old life experience. If you know that someone has done a scumbag thing um, and there are people who like kind of like defend the scumbag, you should be worried that they also are capable or have done scumbag things and you just don't know about them because birds of a feather flock together. Yeah. Uh, so like, like when MJF's like, I've done far worse, I'm like, I think you are vastly underappreciating the level of badness of this action or, which is bad in and of itself, we're kind of in a double bind scenario, or you have done things on par of th- with this that you think are meritorious of forgiveness and threatening somebody's life is not actually, I mean, like that's, that's, that's a pretty, that's I mean, a pretty big deal. I'm sure there's some 70 something workers out there going, you know, in the old days we used to brandish handguns all the time. And it's like, yeah, I know, but pops, it ain't 1979 and people don't think it's real. Okay. Yeah, no, <laughs> and I watched Juggalo championship wrestling this week and the homophobia <laughs> was rampant too. I mean, yes. Okay. Let me just throw this out there. Maybe the good old days weren't perfect. Let's let's just start with that. Okay. Oh, yes the the Wheeler news and look, I love FTR still. I hope it's not true. I really do. I mean, I would like that, Jeff. But I know, it, I, know, it, I, know, I, know. I would like that, but it just strikes me as unlikely. So then, I guess it gets us into the conversation of the way this company has managed this piece because the incident, as you said, goes back to late July. And that means that as we are sitting here taping on August 18th, several weeks into collision angles, that means we went full steam ahead on pushing FTR, uh, despite the fact that there was very, very credible legal charges against cash. And you might go, well, they're not proven yet. If you're doing that, that's fine. Think about why you're doing that. Two, 
Um, I would say even, yeah, like while you're thinking about why you'd be doing that too, I would say even, let's say there was nothing to that. Why would you even want to risk it? Why risk, why put your television in jeopardy by pushing a guy who might be going to jail at some point in the not so distant future or might be facing prohibitive things necessitating an interruption of their push? I'm not saying, you know, send them to the gulag. I'm just saying, maybe hold off on pushing them for like a month. Uh, you know, if it's late July, maybe wait till late August and see if the guy gets arrested because of all of this. Um, I, I think that we once again have to circle back to the enabling management style of Tony Khan, which is going to be a running theme, I think, throughout this show. I, we're going to talk about CM Punk here in a minute. So for all you punk haters, don't worry. It's coming this week. Oh, Jeff's eating some crow this week. So yes. But before we get started on that, let us like do like uh, the short. I'm not even going to do a complete comprehensive. Can, can I can I play a devil's advocate and ask you something? I don't know. Can you let me finish my point here? Sure. Okay. So like my point here about the management style here is that we start this company with making Chris Jericho the champion. What happened when Chris Jericho became the champion, Jeff? Uh, I don't know. You don't remember? Well, I remember he was champion for a while and then right. he got in programs where he didn't really help anybody. You're, well, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. <laughs> um, but do you remember you remember one of the first things? Oh, that, when he when he was, left the when he left the title. He at the lost steakhouse. the belt yes. because he's Thank a you. drunk. Yes. Um <laughs> the, he's a drunk. Okay. Um so yeah, I love yeah. Let me put it this way, you lose a big gold shiny shiny. I think you're a wasted, <laughs> dummy. Like, like, yeah, like, yes, yes. I think, like, let me just, like, pot, throw that out there. Um, I thought I was going to be the cranky, ranty one today, but I guess not. Okay, continue. Uh, so, like, that's one. I know you want to get in here, so I'm going to do just, like, two more. I'm going to do one more here. No, go go uh, ahead. Do your whole thing. We, we've got, we, we, no, I, I'll fast forward here, man. Like, Jeff Hardy. We bring in <laughs> Jeff Hardy. Yes. Knowing full well his entire history. Um. The CM, like the way we have managed the CM Punk Young Bucks situation here. And then, of course, as we are about to talk about what is happening in CM Punk land on Collision, which is at once an interesting wrestling program and also sounds like a managerial hellscape. Um, like there are so many questionable decisions. How about not pushing FTR when they should have pushed FTR for the first several years? I like, I, I could keep going on here. But the big thing I want to focus on this week is not every con managerial mistake that's ever been made, specifically these ones where they enable, where he enables the worst impulses out of people and also creates an incentive and disincentive structure where if you do bad things, you're not necessarily going to get punished. I mean, MJF and uh, the Wardlow stuff, like MJF's little pitch a fit thing, go home and nerf Wardlow's push. We reward MJF by making him champion, and we completely demobilize Wardlow. Uh, I mean, I got a little scattered here, but what you were going to ask me a question. What was that question? What if Cash withheld this from management? Then it would still be bad management across the board. Okay. Also, also, I think this ship leaks, Jeff. Yes. I don't believe he might have wanted to withhold it, and in which case he should be fired immediately. But like, let's say that's true. 
I don't think it is. I don't think it is either, but I would. Yeah, let's say it's true. Then he should have been fired immediately. Yes. Then, then, then that in and of itself is enabling because now it is Tony Khan saying, hey, you can withhold pertinent information to the business from me. And that is not necessarily a fatal mistake in this company. That is managerial error. Um, but I think it's, frankly, I think it's worse. I think Khan knew about it. I think, like, if I had to take a guess here, FTR and Punk, since collision, as we're going to talk about here, it really does seem to be Punk's little playground. Um, I think they told Khan, don't worry about it. And I think Tony, because he likes all the action figures he gets to hang out with every week that are alive and big, and no longer does he have to play with his G.I. Joes in a Connects ring. Like, now he actually has big, real-life men that he can play around with here. Um, I think Tony was like, I love you, CM Punk. I think I believe you. And then he believed him. Speaking of uh, Charles Montgomery Punk, <laughs> when last we checked, uh, the story that was going on all throughout the discourse this week was based on a promo after collision that was captured, of course, by social media because everybody has their phones saying if you go to a store there's nothing but hangman action figures there because nobody buys them because you can be the heart and soul yada 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 well turns out uh turns out page was scheduled to be at the arena that night <laughs> and it was just a coincidence according to punk and he he texted to apologize etc but other issues have uh come to light since uh Christopher Daniels, not allowed at the building in retaliation for Ace Steel, who, by the way, is now back in the fold, even if he's not on the road, with back pay from the fight. Nice to have friends in high places. Uh, people who criticized Punk, it looks like he is uh, he is he is settling all scores, much like Michael Corleone, uh, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Washington. I know Isaiah Washington. Isaiah Cassidy told not to come to the building, even though they were booked. Ryan Nemeth comes to the building. Punk brings up an old tweet of his calling him soft, asked if they need to go outside to settle it, allegedly. Uh says no, and other people says, you know, the beef was squashed, they shook hands on it, etc. And then Ryan Nemeth was booked for collision and then booked for a flight back home, told not to go to the building. Here is my mini rant for the night. CM Punk is not my friend, and I have defended him a lot through various things based on thinking that the water was poisoned once he got there. CM Punk admitted to Voices of Wrestling, either personally or through intermediaries, that he was responsible for the Nemeth and Daniels stuff. He is de facto management. He is in his mid-40s. It's one thing to be a young, angry man and to be use that as your as your motivation to, through through creative endeavors. It's oftentimes rewarded as it's what keeps you sharp. But you are now mid-45. Your stardom has passed a bit. You are now management and saying you want to shepherd the younger generation, etc. And I understand some of these people may have said bad things about you. But again, you are management. That comes with the territory. It is time to swallow some of that. It is time 
to take those lumps occasionally and do what's best for business, which is what you are telling everybody else they should be doing what's best for business. If you, if it is true that you shook a man's hand and said, bygones be bygones, even if you don't want to book him ever again, if you've told the office not to send him there, if he is on the booking sheet and he has made the trip out there, you swallow it, you book him, and then you tell the office, don't send him back here. There are issues therein. What you don't do is leave him high and dry after flying cross country because Ryan Nemeth lives out here in Los Angeles. And then tell him he has to go all the way back. Maybe it's time to stop these little shooty shooty promos after after the TV cameras have gone off the air to get your grievances in be, uh, against the one guy that you don't have a gag order against because you still want an apology. Can we talk about the flyouts just real quick? Like that's passive aggressive abuse. Yes, that, that is that like it's not a prank. It's not a rib. Don't use any of like these like little euphemistic industry sort of terms. You are taking a person, making them do something, wasting all of their time, but more importantly, actually physically moving them around to play with them. That is abuse, plain and simple. And like beyond it, it's passive aggressive. If you got beef, dude, I have so much more respect uh, like with these stories and I'd still like look at Punk like he's a psychotic. Uh, If he was just going around punching people he didn't like, like, if he just, like, popped Daniels and popped Nemeth, instead it feels like he is hiding behind the veil of power to do little passive-aggressive little snippy-snip things. You want to come out and hit me? Come on, hit me. And you know that's right. a trap. You know that's right. a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah, no, the idea is I'm going to keep needling you and needling you and doing all this passive-aggressive shit, either, you know, with words or by actually doing actions, but they're not me directly grabbing you, right? Until you finally blow a gasket. It's textbook abuse. I agree. And it's also part of Tony Khan just giving him far too much leeway, and I get it, because this is well, what... Well, when you make when you a make... question, Jeff. What if Tony Khan doesn't know anything about any of this at all? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know he'll take he'll take well, punk behind does that a make door. Him look better. He'll take punk behind a door and yell at him, and then when he opens a door after a comment, he'll be putting on his cool guy sunglasses and saying thanks. <laughs> I, the oh, fact that the fact that he thought that that segment actually made him come off as likable was deeply revealing yeah it, like, like like every part of that little bitlet that he did in the adam cole and mjf thing was like man we are really seeing under the hood because this is obviously what he thinks would be a funny presentation of himself and it's not funny at all it's actually like kind of it, it's terrifying in a way the mm-hmm. type of person who in front of the cameras and in front of everyone's like hey everyone how are you doing and then backstage you'd be like you're a magnet you should lick my feet and then like come back out and be like, hey, everything okay out here, guys. That's that's sociopathy. Like, uh, you know, not, that, that, that's scary stuff. That, that it, works like, when you're mocking children entertainers or like the Ronald right, Reagan sketch right, on Crusty Saturday the, Night Live Crusty that year. The crowd, Crusty the Clown, that's great. Especially yeah. for like, yeah, uh, the, the old drunk. Yeah, like, sure, of course, because you're looking for the dichotomy between 
the public facing thing or like yeah if you're gonna do like a reagan thing where he's like the genteel grandpa oh they oh that's that's one of phil hartman's best sketches yeah right yeah 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 yeah. no like it works really great frankly if that's what we like you know kind of like actually believe you to be but like yeah we don't uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's like they pitch would be funny if i came out it's like nobody thinks you that way yeah but I am like that. <laughs> yeah, no, but but like, what if I taught people that this is how I am? Like, it's like, you wait, you want to teach people that like behind closed doors, you can completely lose your mind and be like berating and belittling to people, <laughs> and then are we gonna go hard into all the other rumors and stuff? Are we gonna like? Is it gonna... <laughs> I know, I like you, little you scar face go... action, you know? Yeah, 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 like the huge sniff right before he yeah, starts. Just yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, 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 don't make that opening for people. It's far too easy. Ah, mm. uh, Ron Hutchison, who is Edge's trainer and friend, said that Edge is pretty sure his match tonight with Sheamus in Toronto. I just watched will be the last match of his career. While Edge did not say that, he did note that this was the final match of his current contract. Mm. Boy, do I see a lot of speculation about him going to AEW to be with his friends Dax and, and Cash. First of all, his Cash is still free man. Oh, and, 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 and Christian. And it's like, yeah, but look how much money WWE has been resp- WWE has been responsible for making him very, very wealthy. Yeah, he's had to make and his wife. A, he's probably made a few million on this run here, and he hasn't had to do a lot. Oh, and this is the last run, as opposed to the runs when he was on top and making buku books. I know, yeah. Like, I mean, what do you have to do on this run? The greatest wrestling match ever? I get the thinking that he is in so good with WWE, and you know, WWE won't pay him as much anymore, so he could come over to AEW and do a vanity run. With his buddies. I can completely think that. I mean, Edge is already in the Hall of Fame. I think Beth Phoenix is already in the Hall of Fame. There's no real carrots to dangle for them that Vince could do. That's the only reason why I think he'd entertain this. But I do think there is something about, hey, I'm going to help your competition right after I retire from the company that basically made me famous that I think there is a certain morality in some people that they won't do that. And I think edge is one of those. Yeah. Um, I also like, don't know how interested in, in ring action, either Christian or edge really are. I think they don't mind being in the wrestling business, but I think Christian's definitely, working working smart as he as he always has done i got nothing i got nothing but love for it love get paid no no (laughs) not only that but like i also legitimately do enjoy the pacing of christian matches like i i don't find them to be like i don't find them to be bad matches i find him to be a far stronger promo than people give him a lot of credit for because he's usually doing some cheap stuff but he he pulls off cheap stuff better than most people who think they pull off cheap stuff miz um uh yeah i i just i I can see it both ways but push comes to shove i mean that's just it i mean we we have the hardys here on on their last gasp i mean that's doing a vanity thing i I, I could see them like i mean tony cod loves 
throwing money at the like like the Jeff Hardys and Matt Hardys again playing with the GI Joes and the Connects ring back in the late '90s. Like that, that's where this is all going back to. Um, I I think I could see him theoretically following this narrative. Christian goes, "Hey, Edge is available," and Tony Khan's like, "I want to at least have Edge under contract once." Yeah, it, there, yeah there'll be a, yeah. there'll be a one time payoff. I'm right, on, right, on spot. If right. if Edge decides, all right our family is done with WWE and we're never going to have to go back for anything. Like Beth is no longer in commentary. Doesn't want to be a trainer. Edge doesn't want to be a trainer. Doesn't want to produce. Doesn't want to do anything. Yeah. Then I could see it. Yeah. But I, I mean, I don't even think him doing a quick hit at AEW is necessarily prohibitive. I think the rules are a little bit different for these guys who are 47, 48, 49, 50, like not like, not WrestleMania main eventy type guys. I, I do think the rules are a little bit different. A lawsuit filed by Brittany Abrams, former WWE writer, claiming discrimination and being fired for objective to for objecting to offensive and racist storyline pitches for black performers has dropped all individual defendants and is now only suing WWE itself as a company. Original suit listed WWE along with writers Chris Dunn, Ryan Callahan, Jennifer Pepperman, Christine Lubrano, Mike Heller, as well as Vince and Stephanie McMahon as defendants. Uh, from an amateur legal background, I think this is mostly so that there aren't continuances and you're going after the one with money. And now after the merger, right. they're hoping for an insurance payoff here. But I, I don't think they're going to get it. It's the Cochran firm representing her, by the way, too. So that's, you know, it's feast or famine. They're probably on contingency. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I, I, you know, I know there's like the law and stuff. Something is icky to me about, you know, you name a bunch of defendants. And so you effectively slander them as being racist or whatever with ever without ever having to do the burden of proof of showing yeah. it yeah definitely that, that, something about that sits real icky with me i get that the legal system might have it so i'm not trying to get into an extended law thing it's just like you know you you have a sexual harassment claim initially you named like let's say 20 people right yeah now forever all those 20 people, all these people are racist right. well i'm dropping yeah. it <laughs> right like, like yeah, you know like or and, and again you never have to articulate in what what was the context for any of that stuff so it's just always out there and i like that is a little icky to me i added this because i was watching it live and it's fascinating to me oscar made some posts negative towards stardom in particular that seemed to come out of the blue she got triggered on twitter a bit by someone who was i forget if it was because the tweet was deleted the original one it was either about her looks or about going back to Japan so she could be used well. And she just had it on, on Twitter with some interesting stuff. Her first post was anti-Japanese wrestling media saying, I don't flatter anyone. Even in Japan, the media hated me because I don't flatter the media. In Japan, everybody was flirting with the media except me. I fought the media alone to take care of my fans. That's why some of the Japanese media still hate me. That's why I've always been a freelancer. And everyone in Japan knows I am anti-Joshi pro always regarding stardom she wrote the former editor-in-chief of pro wrestling weekly has made this point on several occasions that is stardom is an organization that was created to defeat me it is an organization that was created to destroy me personally but they failed to defeat me i don't know what happened to them after that because i came to america she also wrote the media could not bring me down when i came to america they must have really wanted me to fail i'm used to it because i've been fighting my critics alone since my days in japan but now i'm here i have comrades in arms charlotte becky triple h and 
I've walked alone in the wilderness all my life, and here I have an oasis. To the Asuka antis, I say, beat me up on the internet all you want. I grab everything. When I became champion, one media outlet asked wrestling fans, do you think it is good enough to be champion? Do you think it deserves to be champion? Compare me to other people. Do you think my abilities are inferior? Can you believe that? I was always fighting that media all by myself. And then later wrote, what I just said is in the past. It was before I came to America. Now the organization has changed and there are a few players I know. So I don't know anything about it. And good luck to everyone who's trying their best. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that last one, that last one is, I'm very sorry. I just had a mask off moment and it has been brought to my attention that I looked very bad. Um, she comes <laughs> off as an incredible victim here. Uh, it's like it, at once a victim and also a triumph story. And like, I mean, you and I both are huge fans of her work. So it's like, not that it's just like, this was this the idea time that like everyone's out to get you. It's kind of like, it's a bit well, crazy. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, as an actor or a performer and you're famous for something, and people go, well, why don't you go back to that? Why don't you go back to that show that you just left? Why don't you go back to that show you just left? Why don't you go back? Why don't you go back? Why don't you go back? And it's like, she's been holding the, I mean, she's been in America for, I mean, she did shimmer a lot. So that counts too. But I mean, better part of a decade, decade and a half doing shows out here. But it's just a stupid comment on the social media. Yeah, I, I get X. that. Yeah, I get that. It's called X. Why would you take it that seriously? Come well, on, I mean, you know, she gets it out of her system and now she can go on with her life. I think. No, it's just... but like she, she got it out of her system extremely publicly. Yeah, that's like, like, like that's actually not a healthy way to get it out of your system. And, she, and like, she, yeah, th she is taken care of by WWE. Let's put it that way. So it's one of those things where it's almost like, Okay, I'm gonna rub it in your face, and you know what? Go ahead and keep being critical, type of a thing. That's how I kind of I, I get it. But everybody was, like, oh, you're gonna be used better in Japan. WWE is not taking care of you, type of a thing. It's like, look, they don't like me over there. Will you stop with this crap? I mean, that that's what it seemed like to me. It's like, look, stop saying I need to go to Japan because they don't want me there. You dummies, <laughs> that kind of a thing. I took it like that. So, I mean, we just have a difference of opinion here. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's all uh, based on But I get it. it. I mean, you, I mean, look, I mean, you, you get wrestlers who are far too in their fields and they're always on the Twitter doing this. I mean, for the most part, Asuka is just doing dumb little videos with Simpsons reactions and stuff like that. So when she gets serious, it's just like, oh man, somebody really set her off. And it's just, but, but is it, it's just telling to me that she chooses to get serious over this one offhanded, stupid internet comment. Yeah. I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm sorry. No, I, I guess we do have a difference of opinion on this because I think that like everyone in the entertainment industry, if you're going to run a public facing social media account in the year 2023, and let's say you're over the age of 21 and you've had a social media account before in your life should know that you're occasionally going to get <laughs> someone who's like, Hey, Chris, you got a bent nose or like, Hey, whoever you got a fat ass and you just like, let it go. Like you don't actually need to comment on all of that stuff. <laughs> this week it was somebody dug up Joe's tweets again. It's like, do you agree with your boss about this? And I'm just like, Joe's not anybody's boss on this network. <laughs> I didn't know you. No, no, no. Well, Mr. Lanza has never been anything but good to me. And I appreciate all of the good <laughs> things 
that Mr. Lance look, does. Look, just because he's Italian sir, doesn't mean he's in sir, the mafia. Sir, you're, you're even more handsome today than the day I met you. Look, you, you look, Lanza, you can try and break my kneecaps, but I ain't go. No, never mind. <laughs> sir, I, I, I'm completely confident that if you met my girlfriend, you could steal her from me. <laughs> oh, there's a joke there, but I'm not going to make it. Um... Ending the I news already with, roasted uh, myself, sir. Yes, I know. And and no, it's not about you. Uh, ending the joke here, or ending the joke, ending the news here, uh, Lacey Evans appears to be done with the company, changing all her social media handles and saying ex-employee of WWE. Move, I believe she's been moved to the alumni part of it. Uh, I'll say this. Again, <laughs> social media presence, not the most welcome to a certain facet of fans. In terms of marketing, they absolutely blew it with her. I mean, she's a mom. She's an ex-Marine MP. They do a lot of work with the USO. Let's make her a heel. This this was such a layup. <laughs> this is such a layup, and they never figured it out with her, and she wasn't that bad. And it's but... funny because X is doing nothing but blaming her for not being talented and not getting it together and blah, blah, blah. I was like... She was miscast, and when you when 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 Vince miscasts you, or or other things happen that cause your push to go away, not that uh, not that anything anybody can talk about. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you're miscast, it's hard to get around that because Vince already sees you as what what he sees you as, and so you're always fighting against. Well, why aren't you better at this crappy idea I've given you? And then I'll give you a better one. Well, the idea is crappy. So it's. Yeah. You have to somehow like transcend the gimmick. Like it's like yes. wanting Pete Dunn to transcend being Butch so that he can earn being Pete Dunn again. Yes. It's like, it's like go be Butch. I'm being Butch. I'm being the biggest Butch I can be right now. But you could be better at it. I want to see more. I want to see. I want to see more newsies out of you. Yeah, Pete Dunn. Think, think. think <laughs> I'm an angry and drunk cabbie. <laughs> Look, you're from that part of the country, aren't you? All no, <laughs> you just see Vince doing that. That's not me saying that. Don't get dropping my DMs and saying I'm problematic. Damn. I mean, I, I did it in the Vince voice. And, yes. and if you drop into my DMs, there's a decent chance I won't even read them because I won't notice them. Because so. you don't say the word guitar. So it's. No, yeah. If you don't say the word guitar in a DM to Chris. He doesn't pay attention. Like, hey, what time you want to record that? Oh, did you see this hotel? It could give you a guitar. What? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, I, I rebalanced my life the last couple of years here. Well, I'm trying to get basic information out of you, and I have to say guitar, guitar, guitar. Oh, no, I'll pay attention. You know what, Hawkins? You should be <laughs> proud that I'm doing self-work and getting my – no, I'm I'm getting things more in balance. They're very balanced. <laughs> no, they're not very balanced. They're balancier. Like they're, okay. They, yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, there's, there's more balance than there was, which is to say limited balance when you first met me. And now the lazy river of wrestling criticism, whatever oh, you yeah, watched. Wait, you left out some of the punk stuff too. He also brought back the rabbit ace steel. 
and got him back. No, I said that. I said that during that. I oh, said, oh, I said I, yeah, I said that during that. So, oh, okay, uh, well then, now the lazy <laughs> river, and now the lazy river of wrestling criticism. Anything Jeffrey and I watched this week? We have uh, watched a plethora of new stuff, but we also just said. Uh, the heck with this crap that's been I, I, on this I like week. that it happened at the expense of keeping up at Modern Wrestling. You and I yes. just both gave up. Yeah, we. Just, I, I was watching this Raw, and I was like, <laughs> Look, Trish and, and Becky are trying hard, but this match stinks, and this crowd is giving them nothing. I need to watch some. And it, like halfway through NXT, I just put on an episode of Worldwide. So we may get into that a little bit, but... Uh, do we want to start modern? Do we want to start older? Do you want to start with that weird thing you watched? Uh, I, I mean, I think we might as well because, like, we don't need to talk a ton about Juggalo Championship no. Wrestling. But this started off as like a rib on the Discord and turned into a a troll on myself, where I watched <laughs> the very first episode <laughs> of Juggalo Championship Wrestling Volume One. Yeah, uh, and. It is, it's not a good wrestling show. It's going to surprise you. Like, there, there's not actually good wrestling you on it. You went from a bad wrestling show to watch another bad wrestling show. But here's the thing about the JCW, right? Like, the, the type of bad that it is, is mercilessly stupid. And, like, while they're not yes. fully aware of how stupid it is, are, they are partially aware of the stupidity. And that frankly makes it a lot more bearable if you can sort of just like put on your you know um but i don't know like if you put your, on your, your texas armor. your texas chainsaw match eyes which is it's the exact same thing it was so stupid what i was gonna say is if you can put on your armor and bear through the homophobia because it's pretty oh, rare. No. oh it's like it's oh that's just like the texas chainsaw match the, the, the homophobia is is oh. like just just as a trigger what year, what year is this? potentially uh 2004 or five, that maybe tracks. 2007. okay yeah. Never mind. yeah yeah um i mean so what you do get but i definitely like in, in case any listeners are thinking about going into this please be aware you are going to hear a lot of homophobic slurs during what during this program uh I actually, I mean, like when, I mean, it's, and it's hard to get around. It's not like you can really edit around it. Um, Shaggy two dope and violent J are on commentary. Um, I won't lie when they, again, aren't just like crutching on anti-gay jokes. Sometimes they're funny. Like, 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 cause like they do know the business halfway decent. So sometimes it's funny, but like you get stupid appearances by like their dumb friends dressed up as slash or dressed up as Hulk Hogan. And like uh, some of these jokes aren't even really funny. Um, show begins. The show begins with um, Violent J. Are you going through the whole show? No, no, but but okay. I, I mean, I just want to like, you know, mention a handful of things here. Okay, yeah. Violent J comes out and basically like says that like, welcome to Juggalo Championship Wrestling. And if you're not a Juggalo, you need to leave immediately. So like the show begins by excluding people, which I think is just a beautiful way to begin any show. Um, then there, uh, otherwise we get, basically we get appearances of the Iron Sheik. I mean, like it, it's, it is kind of, it's, it's fascinating. Like the Sheik does wrestle. I mean, he doesn't look good, uh, like, but he does wrestle. King yeah, Kong he, has, he hasn't looked good since like 1983. So, yeah. 
I, old King Kong Bundy is kind of fun though, because like yes, I mean, no, no, Bundy's great, but Bundy, yeah, bu- yeah, Bundy's still good. Yeah, even even because he's also he's younger than you think. Wait, is Bundy on this show? Yes, he is. In two thousand four. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Bundy's on this show. Um, and I mean, he looks big, but like it works. Huh. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he. I, I guy definitely just like sort of underutilized like throughout his entire career. Uh, like I mean, he had the big pushes or whatever, but like he he always was a physical presence at like at all points. Um, he just has the look. Yeah. So Buddy's on this show. Most of the show consists of wrestling legends. Jeez, I'm watching Buddy just delivers an elbow drop or like an elbow in the corner to like one of these like juggalo guys, and it is brutal looking. Uh, uh no. Oh, Buddy's body splash, also brutal looking. Uh, like, basically, the show is old wrestling legends murder death, like guys from JCW. No, yeah, like King Kong Bundy here's pinning his guy. He wants a five count. He gets he gets the W. Um, oh, you ha- you have to go through the bit that we watched. Oh God, uh, <laughs> Evil Dead. Evil Dead. Okay, <laughs> Th- this is this is actually like why I needed I needed to backtrack to Violent J doing the intro. Now, at this point, after the intro where he kicks, he's trying to kick out a bunch of people, he then introduces Evil Dead, who is, like, literally dead. Like, like he is, like, a he's not a zombie. I, I mean, you could classify him as that. Like, if you... He is reanimated. I'm not going to fight you on that. I, I would just submit to you that typically zombies have a little bit more of a sustaining momentum and capacity. Evil Dead very much oscillates from being pretty dead and not mobile to being up and moving around. Um, he presents Violent J with a note, uh, and Violent J then reads the note to the crowd and explains what Evil Dead's intentions are, which is to have a hardcore match. Um, and, the, and the Evil Dead thing, uh, I mean, this is one thing about this show. Uh, consistent characterization. We're building something throughout the show. You and I watched a middle segment where Evil Dead is once again kind of brought out in front of Shaggy, Two Dope, and Violent J, and they explained to us that they can't wrestle because technically they're both classified as cruiserweights. But Evil Dead, who one does not look remotely larger than Violent J, like Violent J is clearly the of of yes. Evil Dead. Shaggy, too dope, and Violet J. Violet J's easily got 40 pounds on everyone else. Um, so if anyone's going to be the heavyweight, it's got to be Violet J. Um, but, but Evil Dead, uh, he's kind of a mess, you know? Like, he's having a hard time standing up. He's having a hard time keeping it together. They explain that they can't wrestle. So see, this is something that Tony Khan could take some notes on. But this is why we watch this stuff. Like, Tony Khan's backstage yelling at people and stuff. Meanwhile, you have the managerial style of the insane clown posse who recognized that there needs to be uh, uh what was that wall that the French built between themselves and the Germans after World War One? It worked really good. The Maginal Wall? Yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah, you, there needs to be a Maginal Wall between... Now I gotta look this up. I... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, it's the wall. It, yeah, trust me, it worked really good for the French. There needs to be a wall dividing the insane clown posse from the Juggalo Championship Wrestling. And... and the managerial style of the posse recognizes this, and thus Evil Dead is kind of their wrestling emissary. Powerful stuff uh, for those interested in looking to get off the beaten path. Maji, no, but yes. Maji, no. There we go. 
There we go. Mm. I, was, I was extraordinarily close. All right. Juggalo so championship wrestling. Yes. Juggalo championship wrestling. Uh, I will do my old stuff after. I mean, we basically, basically our current stuff is going to consist of collision and, and dynamite. If you want the only thing from NXT I liked was Noam Dar and, and Nathan Frazier being ridiculous. So let's get into this dynamite, I guess. I, I have often said that I thought that Vince McMahon liked to rip up scripts because he he's he's the he's the kid in class who thought that doing things last minute that the stress focused him and he was happy when he got a B minus or a C. That to me is the equivalent of this dynamite, which Brian Alvarez described as a fever dream of sorts, or like he had dropped acid at some point, mostly because of we get TNA Sting on this show. Um. Tony decided to cram all the angles and start them all two weeks before all in on this Wednesday show. And it felt like it and it felt disjointed and it felt repetitive at times because you got heel beat down after heel beat down after heel beat down after heel beat down after a lot of the matches. I, you know, and it was off to a good start for me because I was actually legitimately enjoying the Wheeler Yuta orange Cassidy match. Yeah. Like that was, that was good. I think that like Cassidy has found a much better, more serious character here with, with this It's still consistent. It like, it's a natural growth and like ditto with Yuta. Remember when like Wheeler Yuta like didn't have a personality. Yes. Yeah. And and, like he does And, and they had great chemistry together and like the, and this is, I kind of think, in a lot of ways for me, it was like kind of what I want out of this show, really, which is a combination of good character work in the ring and good moves and stuff that's in service. I mean, even when uh, Yuta goes for that um, Lucha Libre style pin, uh, like, like uh, what's it called? Like, is that the mousetrap? Seatbelt. The seatbelt, yeah. Like, I thought that he managed to do that in a way that was convincingly heelish. And I can't even put my words on it like as to how it came off as heelish because normally a pinning combination like that's like a dexterous sort of baby face move where they're like being crafty and cagey and technically proud, you know, prolific. Whereas like the way Yuta was doing it somehow managed to feel a little sleazy. I loved it. I, and, and then yes, the, from there, the show fell off the rails for me. We got the Ed Wood directed Jim Ross sit down at Daly's place with Kenny Omega. What the hell was this? Let's. What the okay. hell was this? There, there were a few problems with this. Uh, number one, it was a pre-tape and it somehow got through. But number two, Omega has this problem in his, in his promos where he, you can hear him going, "How would a guy working say or answer this question?" It, it, there's a little bit of disingenuousness, especially when you listen to him on like Wrestling Observer Radio. I mean, he's definitely working the whole time as opposed to just answer the questions as if you really felt it, like if this were real. Instead, we're getting the kind of ironic detachment stuff in all these things, and we'll get into that with Cole and MJF in a second. But I feel like Jim Ross directed this, and you can tell, because there's no reason for the Jim Ross reaction shots here to beat down and god bless jim ross he had bell's palsy 
half of his face was paralyzed. That's not the thing. That's not the guy you want for big facial reactions as you're getting a beat down on another guy. Not only that, they, they cut to him shuffling. I mean, he, he stands up and kind of like in a little bit of shock. And then they do a cut back to him where he has this look. And the way I described it Wednesday was like he walked in on his parents having sex. <laughs> he's, he's like, eh, oh, it's it's like, it's like he looks and he goes, uh, or it's even dismissive in a way. It's like he's looking at him going, uh, darn shame about that, and just kind of shuffles away. And you're just like, what was the point of that shot? And, and of course, Twitter is using it for memes and stuff, but I'm wondering how that made television and what the thought process was behind it, because it's like, we don't need it. You just need a couple of guys to, to help Jim Ross off of the stage at, to make sure he doesn't get hurt. Have Jim Ross, you know, scream in anger. Oh my God, I can't believe this. But as he does that, and then watch Bullet Club Gold beat up Kenny. And what had to have at least like 80 different cuts to it <laughs> from the thing. I was I was like, I was like, this this is just too much right now. That that whole segment just turned me off in some ways. Well, yeah, I, I'm trying to like get a refresher real quickly on what Kenny Omega's like sympathy story was. Cause I remember also watching that and going like, dude, none he, of these people know how to be likable. Yeah. He, he, it was, it was that he knew Takeshita as a young boy in Japan. And now that he's a wrestling God, he has the power to create and destroy. Right. 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 <laughs> like there was a, a grandiosity to what was yes. supposed to essentially be Omega being a baby face and I, I didn't he doesn't come off as humble like yeah no. that's that, that was the whole thing it's like I'm actually so powerful that I can destroy everything and anyone and it's like okay and his problem and with you, callus during you know with the right. spray match the characterization on this show is just it's so weird and to your point fever dream again we get to the Don Callis, Chris Jericho segment, <laughs> which felt far too cute by half. Like, and also hung, it, like it hung way too long. Yes. It, I was convinced they were going so long that they were going to agree with each other and hug. You're a scumbag asshole. Yeah. Well, you're a jerk. Who, da, da, da. Okay. We're both telling the truth to each other. Let's hug it out. Right. <laughs> yeah. I thought right. that no, was I, 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 I was actually thinking that at the end of this, Chris Jericho was going to come around on the painting and go like, ah, you're a piece of crap, but you're my piece of crap. Yes. No, that was exactly what I was thinking too. I, I mean, this is something they, they should have let Jericho be a part of the family until he sees the photo. I thought that, that or right. until he sees the painting. Right. That, like, me... No, it would have been way, way better if the painting is like Chekhov's gun for yes. four weeks and like, it's yeah, like, lingering there. It's there. Oh, I haven't had a chance to unpack it yet. I haven't had a chance to do this or that or the other. And, 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 you know, Callus is acting all nervous all the time because he actually did send it to his house or something because he was supposed to, but yeah, I well, just, like, and then going one step further. So Jericho says, no, like, let's just pretend to be the character of Don Callis here. So then you would pull the cloth from the painting show Jericho that you had a painting commissioned of him with his head severed and, and like step two is what? Yes. <laughs> you know, it's, 
this this segment really made no sense. It's Roddy Strong coming out in a neck brace, angry that he's not getting a tag match. Uh, I boy, okay. What do I go with here? Do I go with Sting or do I go with the Texas Chainsaw match? Um, okay, so here's what was. I, I don't know where you're at. I know that you didn't like Sting. For me, Sting and it was okay. It was okay. It just stayed way too long, and I think like he. It would have been better if he had actually like Scorpion Death Drop Nana or something. It had the wrong punchline for yeah. me. Here, here, here. Okay, I'll I'll give you. The, I love the nine days versus eleven days. It was like almost like, am I doing this for a collision or dynamite? But here's the thing: number one, the, the camera lingered on him way too long after it should have. But the punchline here is Nana needs to run away in fear. But Sting goes, the door's locked, Nana. I'm not that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you know something like that effect. And, and then and then nana's just crying yeah yes. yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i i i i it's weird to me that they did this in nashville because i mean i get do we need to be nostalgic about impact or tna did, did but on the other hand did we expect jeff jarrett to get booed in nashville because it felt like they were trying to work that in there uh, this match was so bad, it became funny to me, and then it became awesome. It was so bad. It, it, it was... There's something that will always be hilarious to me for the wrong reasons of Jeff Hardy walking around going, Hardy, Hardy, <laughs> Hardy. That, that's like, that has busted me up. I just years. want Jeff Jarrett to be a grizzled old man hitting people with crap. I think that's... <laughs> Sanjay Dutt in the cowboy outfit had me rolling. Um, the if I were Jeff Jarrett, I would have left Karen for dead. I think that would have been funny. Um, but this leather face thing—it wasn't like, even Doug Gilbert. Um, <laughs> no, it was that was like ICP JCW level character work on Leatherface. Miss <laughs> it, like. Look, we need to kill somebody in this match. This is a this is a plug for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre video game. Someone has to die. That's how it was at the original thing. Like, you know, on, is I mean, they, the Monster Abyss not available to do like one cameo no, spot? No, no, no. He's he's not. He's a uh, he's a producer for WWE. Oh, okay, but I'm I'm just, like I'm literally like thinking like any guy who kind of like would fit into an actual Leatherface costume and look convincing and Will of, Washington like, should have been. <laughs> I know, no, Spooky. it's like it's like dressing me up as like Leatherface and having me like go out there with the, the menace isn't quite there, people. Nobody got chainsawed in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre match. I feel ripped off a little. Bit. This was false advertising. What are we doing? What are we even doing having this match if nobody's kill off Karen as a, as a character and then then have Jeff Jarrett go through despair week after week on Rampage or something? I'm here for this. I just it's just so ridiculous. And then it's like, oh, here, here he comes. He's gonna hit the baby. Nope, he's going after the heels. <laughs> leather face is a baby face. He's leather baby face. There we go. <laughs> and Satnam is just awesome <laughs> it is overalls trying to play the part lots of stage blood all over Look, I appreciate Karen 
sticking to the bit. I really do. She was absolutely great doing that. But yes, Jeff Hardy going, Hardy, 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 Hardy. It's it's so it's it's so dispassionate and yet you're saying it's your sad own is what it is it's i sad. know i know it's like it's like me like half-assedly saying no vambrino no vambrino like it's just it's weird <laughs> it's, it's it's like it's uncanny valley because like we're watching nwa worldwide this week i'm watching uh Ricky Morton's tag team partner, Bobby Gibson, that Bobby Gibson go like rock and roll, rock and roll. And like, that's obviously like a trope of wrestling, but like when Jeff Hardy does it, it's weird. Yeah. Cause it's not in front of anybody. It's backstage. Well, or like, and it's not even like when he even is doing it, walking through the crowd, he makes no eye contact with any of the people like to get them up. He's just like walking in tunnel vision saying Hardy, like, Hardy, Hardy, Hardy. It's not at the crowd. It's just yeah. to himself. Uh, the only thing I liked in that MJF. Uh, well, see, I liked I liked the promo back and forth in the ring. That was where it actually started to kind of come together. And I, I was going to for a segment I generally thought was stupid and reminded me of like uh, Beverly Hills Cop or something like that. Like, you know going around sticking bananas in tailpipes. Uh, <laughs> well, like, well Roddy did ice the foot, so I appreciate that they 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 paid off the, the comedic. He kicks a tire and oh, he hit his foot. You know, that crap. Um, like, but it's still, it's just, it, it it's trying to be like three different things and it's failing yes. at being any of them. Like yes. it's trying to be like a mid-card comedy segment and it would be good at that, except that you're using your world champion I think I don't know is CM Punk like like I mean I'm very confused right now between MJF and CM Punk in Tony Khan's eyes I am legitimately confused who's the lead dog is and I don't even know that Tony Khan knows um but you're using your world champion here to do like comedy stuff um up to and including him just getting like dressed down by Tony Khan and like everyone you know for yuck yucks or whatever so that's a really cool usage of your champion and then yeah like they get into the ring and eventually page and mjf kind of get like they get there and i thought it was interesting um i feel as though i'm ahead of the story here in the sense that like or like they're maybe tipping their hand a little too early with not having adam page high-fiving people as he's coming out like when you see mjf coming out and high-fiving people when adam page isn't or, or uh, adam, adam cole, cole. Is, Adam Cole isn't. Um, I think they've kind of given away the ghost on the story a little bit. Um, that Adam Page promo, by the way, wasn't anything to write. Hey, you can't drink a beer out here at this was, loading dock. Yeah, and he's like, well, here. it doesn't matter. I'm hurting, so I'm going to drink. Like, Yeah, we're going back to that. Uh, I, these people with what they think is sympathetic is so strange. Yes. I, Across I, the show, it's a, it's a very interesting study in pathologies. Uh, like for, for all of these guys, um, cause, and, and I feel like largely they're in control of their characterization. So like it, it does, it's not like watching McMahon's product where everything is just a project projection of McMahon, uh, perhaps none better than that time he had Titus O'Neil go out and give the speech about, uh, not judging people. Was it? Yes. Yes. 
as the goodwill ambassador. Oh, God. Uh, question. And, yes. Do they win the ROH tag team titles with a win after after MJF saves him with a kangaroo kick? They hit the double clothesline. Because I think they're gonna do that. Yeah, I think they're gonna. I, yeah, it's gonna be no. They're, they're totally gonna do this because they're like do like a little mini mega powers explode sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. I. I yeah. And like. Uh, and I guess that means like Cole's gonna win the championship too. Like I. I mean. No, I think they're going to try and out-cheat each other, and MJF's going to win, and then they're going to hug it out in the end, but there's that tension going on. Still. Oh, my God. Right, no, because they're just going to keep trying to move merch? Yes. But the way they've been, I mean... It's also a, ra- I, no, it's also it, a ratings grab. I mean, it's a hit in the ratings, so you can't really complain you, you, No, you've it. talked me into this, but, like, this actually is starting to get, like, bloodline syndrome. I know, before anyone starts mentioning <laughs> the... Di- I'm going to shut up! You get off the Discord. Hold fire. Don't be like Hawkins. <laughs> Let me get to the end of the sentence. The, Don't so, be like Hawkins. Hey, hey. <laughs> been a running trope on this show for years now. Uh, yeah, uh, it's okay. Uh, I, I mean, it's a trope on the show now. Um, like, so I, what I think is going, it's getting bloodline syndrome in the sense that like the bloodline, they wrote a story that needs to round third base and make its way to the home plate. Yes. And this story, now that you've got Roddy and Matt Taven and Michael Bennett all back there commiserating now needs to reach a logical conclusion in that match. Either those three guys come out and they side with MJF. Like MJF has quietly turned to all three of them against Cole. Or it goes the other way around. But this needs to wrap at Wembley. Um, And call me crazy. I still think that this show should have a big, important narrative moment on it. And though though it would be kind of a weird overall run for MJF, the surprise end to MJF's title reign and turning him into a babyface by sort of screwing him out of the title is an interesting place to take this. And I would argue, given the way that CM Punk is being received by AEW's audiences, let's, you know... The mixed reactions are a fun place to start, but like, dude, like they want to hate him. Um, and I mean, you you talk you talk or just read AEW fans um, on on X, the social media website, <laughs> or on the Discord or in real life or whatever. Any like most AEW fans, if they're AEW fans, they probably don't like CM Punk. And if they're an AEW fan, they probably do have a positive view of MJF. Uh, the the money move here at this point is to just go, especially with all these stories coming out, just go balls to the wall with Punk as the heel. Like he's the villain, he's a tyrant, he's controlling, he's controlling AEW and MJF. Weirdly, uh, after all this talk of the contract and everything like that, actually wants to fight for the company. That's that's interesting. That's something I could sink my teeth into. A couple more quick hits before I go into uh, worldwide. Um... I enjoyed uh, Collision, but I feel like I've talked about Punk too much already, so I don't want to talk about And I've talked about FTR a lot, so it's one of those things where it's like, uh, okay. Uh, and I love, uh, just to hit some WWE real, real quick, two things. Number one, Gunther Chad Gable is a lot of fun. Uh, those Those matches that they're doing, 
in this in this feud between Imperium and the Alpha Academy are a lot of fun. The problem is nobody believes that anybody's taking that title off of Gunther anytime soon. And then I watched SmackDown tonight. Io Shirai and Bailey, as much as this damage control is a goofy mid-guard type of funny gimmick, they look like they're having a blast. So, you know, there you go. Uh, is there anything on Collision that, that caught your eye that I haven't talked about yet? You know, I, I continue to enjoy the Samoa Joe squash matches. And yes. Stuff. Like, yeah, yeah they, they're just good. Like, oh, there was a moment because on, on ROH, they built up uh, the boys of Dalton Castle versus Samoa Joe and Stokely Hathaway. And Joe did the walk away when Stokely was trying to come off the top rope to hit a guy he was holding <laughs> and right in the choke thing. So yeah, uh, Joe's great. Continue. Sorry. Yeah, no, he, he's great. But but again, it feels like the show. Uh, this show also suffers from the sort of like vanity booking. Like Punk clearly getting booed more than he's getting cheered at this point by the crowd. Like they are not, they're not with him on this. I'm the real world champion thing. And can you blame them? Because it's like he reintroduced the straight edge stuff. And everything. So at first blush, you might want to make the argument, well, gee, Chris, don't you think he's going heel? Yeah, I guess, except that Samoa Joe keeps jumping him every week. Uh, you know, and and like they they he gets screwed out of a title match this week. I, I find I just I wish someone in this company could cook. Is, yeah, is, yeah, is what I keep going back well, to. Well, I mean like, I get good matches, I get a thing like Orange Cassidy and Wheeler Yuta. I see pieces to this puzzle that could work together, but there is just no strong visionary. There is no visionary, you might say. Swerve and A.R. Fox went to Nick Wayne's house and bloodied him. He is the narrative crux. He is the emotional fulcrum of this program. And the match for Wembley is Sting and Darby versus AR Fox and Swerve. I don't understand this. Why is Nick Wayne there if this is not the central focus of the story is him getting revenge? Unless they're going to do the turn. And my God, if they do the turn. (laughs) I respect him for making me a bloody mess in my own garage. Give me a break. I just, it's, it's one of those things where you look and go, okay, you're saving it for all out in Chicago the next week. Fine. But then keep him off of television. You know, let him recover from his wounds. Instead, he's out here doing a tag match against the, the, was it the gates of destiny or whatever? And Uh, gates of agony, gates of agony. Thank you. And it's just like, Okay, we've given these two while the people that they hate are watching, but they're gonna fight Sting and Darby and not Nick. And it just it just makes so little sense to me. Yeah, I mean the other thing that has been driving me crazy on this show as I've been watching it has been it feels like a lot of groups are in like half feuds. Like like the yes. Jericho Appreciation Society has like two feuds that are like half cooked but they're sort of happening at the same time. And 
the bullet club gold or in like a couple of different feuds uh, it's but it's not interesting you know what i mean like it's the weird thing is theoretically you could imagine that potentially leading to interesting mishmatches and crisscrosses and like kind of some interesting storyline cross weaving and that sort of thing i get no sense that that's going to happen as i watch this show none Worldwide Wrestling, August 16th, 1986. You can find it on YouTube. Not a piece of irony to be found on this show, other than maybe, I don't know what version you watched, but there was a Paul Jones promo for the <laughs> the forum card where he's trying hard, but he just stinks. Paul Jones is one of the worst promos ever. But here's what I enjoyed. I, I enjoyed the lack of irony. I enjoyed... <laughs> people taking things that happened on this show seriously. And look, this is a, I didn't know coming to watch it. I was just watching the week, but this is a super show kind of for an hour. Cause your first segment is Ric Flair and dusty roads in Kansas city where they're running an angle where Tully Blanchard just happens to be there shopping and, uh, and, and comes in, he destroys dusty's leg. Uh, the thing that I really loved is they made, comment that oh the national heavyweight champion can has an open challenge to the world title whenever he wants it i think oh look we've made a secondary belt important isn't that nice isn't that a refreshing change of pace so so we get to the second one which is uh okay kansas city and then i think this one is in st i don't know where it is but dusty loses the title to rick flair with tully's help etc and then we get the aftermath amongst the 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 uh, from David Crockett and Tony Schiavone, both taking this super seriously, both you know angry that Dusty Rhodes has been screwed out of this world heavyweight title, interviewing Ric Flair who goes, "Hey, I won. Doesn't matter. This, this is about money, and I like money and all that." And other I stuff. make the company a bunch of money too, which I like. Yes, yeah, yes, I mean... which I like. You have them bring out Dick Murdoch, who is a friend of Dusty and who will be in the main event later. The the this hour, you know, Tom, Hey, Dusty will be back. And look, I get that, that this booking around this time was all about how great Dusty was, but it matters that your world heavyweight champion lost his title and that he has friends who are angry about it and also want a shot at the title at the same time. Yeah, it's you a know nice... what? You can doubt the casting of the main character. I'm not saying that Dusty wasn't a star. I'm just saying you can question Virgil Reynolds, needing to always book Dusty Rhodes as the main character always, pretty much. But I got to tell you, in terms of the actual presentation around how do we feel about the main character, Dusty Rhodes, or whoever that main character was, everyone likes him. He's, like, clearly got friends. People think highly of him. Everyone comes to make the save because they respect him. It's not like he's part of a faction. Right. He doesn't need to be part of a faction. He has the respect of his peers, and that's more powerful than four evil-ish or four evil loyal-ish guys. Yeah. Uh, we get video from match six of the Magnum versus uh, Nikita Koloff U.S. title tournament. Best of seven. Magnum has lost the first three and he's trying to crawl back. This is match number six. It's a little overbooked, but the passion with which the announcers are doing this and they are talking all like this is a real sport and what these moves are doing to people and how these people are, are you know, they're not cracking jokes. 
or anything. And this crowd is super hot for this. It is an overbooked mess with the ref bump. Oh my and then God. Second ref. <laughs> don't get me wrong. It's not perfect, but it's refreshing to me because it was just like, I'm, I'm listening to the commentary and, and it's not pushing a match later that night. It's not pushing, you know, products. It's not cracking jokes. It's not, you know, trying to get themselves over. They are all in on what is going on inside that match. They are scared to death for the baby face. They're worried that the heel's too powerful. This is my jam, Chris. Yeah, no, I, I look, um, there are things I like about this style of wrestling a lot. I, I, I will say as the years wear on, I still enjoy going back and watching these, but I feel like the, the work can be kind of hit or miss uh, yes. where I, where I thought it actually picked up a lot was um, the rock and roll express match. I thought, yeah, Ricky the main Morton, event, the TV main event. Man, was great. R- R- Ricky Moore looked sharp in that, that Frankensteiner was awesome. Okay. Let me, let me set it up. The, the TV main event here. <laughs> if you didn't think this was already a super show with flair, Tully, dusty Magnum and Nikita, your TV main event is Dick Murdoch and the rock and roll express who are white hot at this time. But they've just cut off the Summer Sizzler tour uh, with Miss Rock and Roll Express, which was creepy in its own right. But yeah, yeah. No, the, them coming out with the parade of women, I think in the 80s skit is one thing. And now yeah. in like 2023, actually skits is kind of gross. Versus Tully, Oli, and Arn. And Tully, Oli, and Arn are bumping like champs for these guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, t- Ricky, Ricky's hot spots. I know we all know about the hot tag, but like he does other like fire spots at other various points in the match. And in this particular one, he opens up house of fire and he's fun, man. He's like yes. a little bit crafty and cagey. Like he actually had, like, he's a little sly. Uh, he's not cheating, but like, you know, he gets into the corner with the heels He'd start throwing elbows at all three of them. Love it. Like you, you, you I love that spot. I, li- I, I know, like that spot so where good. he goes in there. He just hits everybody and then gets out of there real quick. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, up guard up. He's like, I know exactly who I'm dealing with here. And Tully I, bumbling around ends up in the baby face corner where everybody gets to hit him and do the cheers and stuff. It's so simple. I loved it. The, the, the show. Oh, <laughs> look, I liked Thea Hale versus JC Jane. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, it just felt uh, th- th- that NXT was feeling stale, even though even though your boy Von Wagner and your boy Dabakato look came off looking good on it. Yeah, um, that's well, all I have. What do you have? Yeah, no, I mean the Von Wagner Robert Stone thing. Uh, I I thought, yeah, I thought Von in his interaction with Baron Corbin did kind of get it going. Yeah. I, I, yeah, he did. He did. Uh, he definitely. He and Corbin's perfect for this too, because he said like, you he have really to is. talk. And you know, Corbin's not the greatest elocutioner in the world either. I know. I, I, he's really. He is a really good character for this. I. I mean, yeah. it's NXT, so I am grading on the WWEist of WWEist curves. But like, they've done a good job making Vaughn a sympathetic figure. Um. I mean, even the dynamic between him and Stone. Uh, like, I like, look, we, we just talked about the NWA thing. I like the idea that a baby face could authentically have a manager he's legitimately friends with. And the reason that that manager comes out with him is for no other reason than to support 
his friend. Like, like he's an action. We always do heel manager, right? Like the heel manager's real purpose for being out there is to enable the heel to cheat. But I feel like oftentimes, especially over like the last 20 years, like in the McMahon owns everything, like quarter century here, we have lost the idea that like, if you're going to have a manager's license at all in a world that presupposes that there are people who actually do management in like a normal way, like that there are wrestler managers, they actually provide real managerial services. And thus that's why they're allowed down at the ring. Yeah. And like stone would actually be like, stone would be a good presentation of that. Am I saying this is going to happen? Hell no. But like, it did, it has got my mind thinking a little bit more of like, Oh yeah, you could actually do like, a manager who's actually a manager who's like just actually an okay guy. And that's the whole character because he's an adjunct character. Mm -hmm. I have nothing else. You, uh, I got nothing. Okay, cool. Uh, Hey, you want to talk back to us? Cause we've been checking the discord lately, Google voices of wrestling discord. You can find the invite link there or, you know, DM me. I'll send it to you on X. If you can't find it using Google, but we are shake them ropes at shake them ropes on X. I only update that when the show comes out part of the voices of wrestling podcasting network, including the new Mike and JD show. They came over from my friends over at fight game media. They are now part of voices of wrestling. Of course we have the flagship. We have a five-star match game, open the voice gate wrestling. Omokaze, I believe did a special uh, episode. Uh, yeah. You know, all the shows on voices of wrestling quite good. Whatever Especially you're... Mr. Lanza's show. Yes. Uh, it gets it, it actually yes. gets more handsome every week. He's a fantastic boss. Joe Lanza is great. I loved it. I'll watch love, it again and again. I love much Joe better Lanza. Than cats. It's uh, much better than cats. Yes, Joe Lanza is is better than cats. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do a show on Fight Game Media called The Dynamite Show with Paul Fontaine. We go live on YouTube about 20 minutes afterwards, but uh, we also drop into the uh, now, Patreon-only feed, five bucks a month. You can get that along with a plethora of other podcasts about mostly stateside wrestling. But, of course, Jeremy Finestone did win the uh, post-wrestling G1 uh, uh, prediction contest. So, hey, he might know something about New Japan. Go listen to him over there. Uh, Chris is over on the Instagram, or as we like to call it, the gram, at D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. He will give his other plugs now. Yeah, if you want guitar lessons, you can hit me up over there at D-O-C-T-O-R-N-O-V uh, or underscore N-O-V, Dr. Nope on, on Instagram. Uh, I also post pictures of the mountain that I'm on. Uh, and yeah, what I want <laughs> what I want all of you to do is explore the mountain in your life and go out there and climb it. Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography.